we talked about in bananas last night that you know when Satan is really a he's just a clay figure he has no face he has no personality and all he can do is every once in a while raise up a mask to show you some part what a masquerade and what happens you know, do you realize how rare it is for a person to know who they are you just periodically lift up a mask and you have a different mask for your family and a different mask here and a different mask with your kids and a different mask at your work and there's just one mask after another. Well, we can't afford to have masks anymore. We must tear down and destroy those masks. We've been bought with a price. We are not our own. It's not our job to decide whether or not some particular response is good or bad or indifferent. It just is. But for some of you, the response is, you know, I mean, you don't know who you are, even though, so there's just, you keep searching, you keep going through the computer program, finding, trying to find the appropriate mask, and you get caught in a loop. And when you finally get caught in that loop and there's no more mask, then you can finally, for the first time in your life, repent and turn from all masquerades, from all shoulds, from all ought-tos, from all wondering, from all even thinking about yourself in the slightest dimension. And then you're free, then you're transparent. And in that transparency, I mean, people hate you because in that transparency, you know they know that you know that they're masquerading. God always causes us to triumph in Christ. Always, in every situation, wherever you are, wherever we are. To the one where the savor of death unto death, the same, same stimulus, to the one savor of death unto death, to the other the savor of life unto life. Same stimulus, same condition, same circumstances. But above all things, the end result of discipleship, I don't care if it takes three years or 30 years, the end result of discipleship is transparency. The idea of whether or not you should think this way or you should believe that way or should feel this way or should act this way becomes an anathema. The, the idea of questioning whether or not you should or feel or think or hear or act or do is, is more odious than any possible thing you could do because you've returned into self. Now with that zeal, then you can then you can see what true repentance is. Peace. So for a couple nights, start to go bed and decide you just don't know who you're talking about. The idea of, of uh, thinking I could get along without worrying. You know, I mean, I it just go, you know, I go to bed at night and all of a sudden I'm laying there in bed and it's like all these accusing thoughts start to come at me. And, you know, I'm reminded, you know, I mean, it's become an old familiar voice that, you know, the accuser. But it just, and it was just, when you were saying that the idea of, of uh, coming to a place where I was comfortable not worrying about stuff. I mean, that idea of, of thinking that, I mean, there's there's still at times that, that illusion that 
that I, I should be concerned. I should uh, take thought. You know, there's there's just there's, there's enough of it left. You know that in in certain areas that hadn't been, you know, like the cross hasn't gone deep enough, or it hasn't been hadn't been exercised or whatever. But there's just you know you can you can hear it because you've heard it so many other ways, so many other times. That old voice of you know kind of whispering in your ear, take take thought, be worried. Uh, you gotta really you gotta struggle with this, and it's just. It's almost like an old friend come to, to lie to you. But believe me, you can live without that, without ever once giving any credence to that voice. You can shut that voice up forever. And that's why. You know, I write unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God continually abides in you, and you've overcome the wicked one. You've overcome the wicked one by stop believing any aspect of introspection, of looking at self. Now, you know, I mean, we must be really dull of hearing, because we've been at this for so long. And still, the introspection continues. And introspection is always has a component of sincerity to it. And that's why it's so difficult to deal with. Just, I'm just trying to understand. I'm just trying to get it right. I'm just trying to. And that sincerity is what will take you directly to the depths of hell. Because you are believing and operating in the guidance of the God of this world. No matter what it is that it looks like, it's real. Any all self-talk, all mind talk, has as its function self-realization, the protection of self or an aspect of self. So therefore, it is it is the lie, the biggest lie of the, of the evil one. All mind talk also has as its sled, it's the sled, I mean, the, 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 the slide is greased with sincerity. When you're saying, I, I had thought, I mean, it's, it's, but, you know, it's easy to think about the mind, I mean, to, to receive about the, the, the mind talk that, that, uh, that, you know, that's condemnatory, but it's that other mind talk that, you know, like paves the way that kind of, you said sled up, but it, it allows you to, to slide into that path of, of deception that open, kind of opens us up to, uh, to that, to but, the opposite. Yeah, but yeah. because the line, it depends on your office and the high place, whether or not the, the entrance is, is, is condemning or praising. But 
either way, what if you condemn yourself, all it means is you think you could have gotten it done right. I mean, it's the same thing. Except if your particular office in the in the high place has to do with with um, you're like a decoy, then then your your first entrance into the high place dance will be self condemnation or self self loathing. And and you can get really sincere in that one. But then if you loathe yourself, then it, by, in, in a few seconds, it has to be redirected. To loathe others. It has to, there has to be, you have to, in order to survive, then put someone else down. You cannot, you cannot loathe yourself and think you're the chief of sinners. Because what will happen, the instant that you loathe yourself, you'll begin pointing a finger so that you're elevated above somebody. And if you're elevated above one, you're elevated above all. So there can be no certainty that you are the chief of sinners as long as there's self-condemnation. It's just a sincere lie again. It's just you're just swimming in the sea of sincerity. And you remember what that is, menstrual blood. Abandon yourself. Take no thought of or about or for or in connection with yourself. Abandon yourself and be free. No more introspection of the slightest. Now that's why I get mad at Gary so often. That's Gary. Because Gary's tendency is always to stop and consider it. He always wants to smell the flowers. But his the problem with smelling the flowers is the flower has his name on it. And that's what disturbed me with this whole thing was it took me about eight hours to have this emotion and it didn't come for I mean I had I was out of there but I, the severity of it didn't come for after just but I'm getting better <laughs> anyway every day in every way again the question is the only you cannot mind talk unless someone has asked you the question or someone has told you you're naked. Naked meaning you needed something. Who told you you were naked? If if no one can if you if you don't believe that first thing, then you can't get into the conversation. Who told you you needed to be different than you are? Who told you that circumstances should be different than they are in your mind? The moment you do, well, then you can then you can get by. Then you get in. Well, I'm going to analyze it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. And this is the way he should be. And he shouldn't be this way. And I should be this. And it's just nauseous. So who told you you were naked? Same question that was asked of Adam. Amen? Let's go to Acts 10. Remember that we talked, we're talking about the meat offering. And how that the meat offering, the first thing that happened, when, when 
his public ministry started at the at the at the onset of his public ministry at the onset at his baptism the baptism was the affirmation that the public ministry was about to start it was the he, that's when he caused the oblation to cease at that moment the holy spirit descended upon him like a dove oil was poured on the flour so in that then he became because oil was poured on the flour he became at that moment he began to be the meat offering he began to be the broken bread poured or broken out for the world and he went around doing that's that's when his process started okay it says immediately after that 10 well I don't know yet immediately afterwards after he in, in Luke 3 he says, Jesus, full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan. And then in 4.14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. Then immediately in the synagogue, he read the description of his anointing and its consequences. So the idea of Christ, in order for us to understand what the meat offering is and was, we must understand that that. That the aspect of doing good, i.e. meeting the needs of humanity, was not just some something that somebody up there said, oh, I think they should meet the needs of humanity. The aspect of the meeting of the needs, the healing, and the doing good was the function of the meat offering. You understand that? I mean, it was the office of the meat offering. The Holy Spirit has not only... Right now has the Holy Spirit been mentioned. Only right now has the oil been mentioned in, in, the, in, in, the, in the Torah. Now it's the first time that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is legal. I mean, you can have all kinds of stuff going on before this, but now is the first time that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is legal. So in Acts 10, verse 34, this is Peter began to tell of Christ. I thought just a minute ago when you said Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, implies that before that time he was not full of the Holy Ghost. So there's a difference in something happened to him uh, during what? At his baptism. At, at his baptism, yeah. So he was charged with. Yeah, because he had to have, we, we, we know nothing what happened. Essentially, we know nothing about Christ from his birth to the baptism. We know one brief episode when he was 12 and he went and argued with the guys about the law. But that's all we know, except he grew in grace and wisdom in the sight of God and man. But what does that mean? It says in, in Hebrews that he, but in that period, he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. So we know that it was a process, if we believe what we know about the meat offering, we have to know that the process of Christ's life from the time of self-consciousness to his baptism was a time of the flower being prepared. In other words, what it was, was the flower being ground. In other words, his suffering didn't start then. It was his suffering from that point of self-consciousness to the point of his baptism, where the flower was ground. Otherwise, the Holy Spirit couldn't have been poured on that flower. Do you understand? 
So the flower, the, his, he, he was learning obedience by the things that he suffered. How did he, how did he suffer? He learned obedience by the things that didn't go his way. He didn't do what he thought he should do. That's the primary aspect of it. That's the only way a divinity, someone with divinity, could suffer. Now, does that sound familiar? You are made of, to, to quote, I saw a little bit of Cosmos last night, so I have to quote Cosmos. You are made of star stuff, but you are made of much more than star stuff. You are made of God stuff. Your suffering can only come along the lines of not being able to accomplish what you think you should be doing. Now that's what his, that's, that he had spent a lifetime up to that point. He, well, he had, to, he, had to, he had to do it. He had to do it as someone like us who's kind of lowly anyway, but to the best that Adam could be and still, he, he had to have be the best that Adam can be and still couldn't accomplish what he thought he should. And that's how the flower was ground to find flower over those 30 years. That had to be agonizing to have heard all the stories of his birth and who he was and this great stuff. Yeah. Never achieving anything. Yeah. There's, there's also this Didn't thing do Jack. whenever he was, I mean, he gets the Holy Spirit, and then he goes out into the wilderness and is tested. But that was a different, it's a I mean, that that was was a different the... kind of knowledge. He was, it was a different kind of suffering than when before that yeah, the, power. So I, you know, it's the knowledge, the suffering was... of empowerment is totally different than the suffering of the flower. The suffering of... At, after the oil was added, was totally different than the suffering was before the oil was added to, to the sacrifice. Just like in the bread, something new happens to the bread. Right. It's dangerous. Yeah. Now, when we see the frankincense added to the meat offering, then we're going to see a totally different kind of suffering. But all aspects, the fine flour, the oil, and the frankincense, all signify suffering. You don't like that. This is a dumb thing to believe. This is a dumb place to be. This, this God stuff is really stupid. Problem is, there's nothing else. I, I mean, I've told you a hundred thousand times, if I were God, I would not have made it like this. But I'd have really screwed things up. I mean... said, okay, there's no more suffering. That's the first thing I'd have done. I'd said, first, the first damn thing I'd done is said there's no more jaw pain. That'd be the first thing I'd have done. Can you imagine how insufferable someone would be? What? How insufferable someone would be without suffering. Are you, are you, uh, <laughs> you're talking about you. You're talking about anybody in particular? Just anybody. <laughs> I just, really it was really bad timing, I, weren't you? That was bad timing, but I really didn't mean it. <laughs> so Insufferable. That's even that suffering <sighs> Now, Peter is beginning to speak of this man called Jesus. Verse 34. You ever heard they conspired to suffer together? Yeah. 
Peter is in Caesarea. He's talking. He says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. That's pretty wild. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, for he is Lord of all, that word, I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and, and began from, from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed, remember when, it's, when he says anoint, it just means, really, the word anoint means, translated, is, is, is Christ. But it's, it's, it means pour oil on. It means to, so Jesus Christ, it means Jesus the guy with oil on or Jesus the anointed or Jesus the one with the unction now do you know what unction unction is a big word that we've lost the meaning of because it's you know you don't you have too many uses of the word unction in in everyday language but unction has to do with only one in other words I can't have an unction of God, and you can have one too. I mean, that doesn't work that way. An unction, by the word, the meaning means that there's only one. There's only one anointing. There's only one purpose. So, here we have, in verse 38, how God anointed, he, again, he anointed Jesus of Nazareth. He Christed Jesus of Nazareth. He poured oil on him. That was the beginning of the meat offering. He anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now, that is the function of the meat offering. Why have you been so without power in your dealings with people? Because we have set ourselves on a course that was after the law. You understand? We have set ourselves on a course that went and, and that everything could only happen in its appointed time. Now, whether or not that's the only way to do it, I don't know. You know, I, I'm not up to, I'm not, I'm not going to say it. But I'm going I'm, I'm to say this with a clarity, that for us, now is the first time that we can be begun to be anointed. Am I, am I communicating? We're getting the unction. Now the unction can happen. And it can primarily happen because we know what it isn't. Where our senses have been exercised to discern what is of God and what is of not. What is not. It's in, but, but again, I want you to hear that the, the, the function of the meat offering, remember the meat offering is your responsibility to your fellow man. If you're, if you're the servant to the fellow man, that means that you are responsible for feeding them, healing them, casting out demons, whatever is necessary. Doing good. Doing good. But doing good by God's definition. Can, 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 do you understand what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm talking about a momentous time. 
Interesting, you gave him the Holy Ghost and power. Now, now let's go and see what let's see what Jesus says when he when he when he when he comes when he begins to be the meat offering. Go to Luke four. Now, again, remember that we believe that this, what we're going to read right now, happened in the month of Tishri, right after Rosh Hashanah. We happened right at or about or around Tabernacles. I mean, it's in that season. Okay, now Jesus had just been baptized and showed his genealogy, which under the law it had to show the genealogy, otherwise he couldn't have been Christ. Then it showed his temptation, and he met the temptation. He didn't lean on his own armor of understanding or call down his own power. Then the next thing that happens is verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been, well, let's go up to 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame or a rumor of him throughout all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Now we know a lot about what that means. He didn't just randomly read something. We know that it was at a particular place in the three-year cycle, and that's where he stood up to read from. Why could he stand up and read? I mean, all all males could stand up and read. But I think he probably, if you think about it, he was probably, there was enough of a rumor about him already, so that the head of the synagogue... Called, called on him to read just as a matter of courtesy or respect or probably curiosity. So it was the angel of the synagogue. The angel sat in the lowest chair. And the, the, the place of the Torah was always elevated. And, and, and Christ was called out of the audience up to read. Remember he had to read out of when the, the Torah section for this had already been read by someone else. Now the prophet section is going to be read by Christ. And when he answers here, I mean, when he, is that a target? Did he target? Is that also, you know, was he the person who would normally... Uh, well, let's get to that. Okay. He went into the guy in step three. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And again, this was the assigned place for that day. He didn't do this at random. The spirit of the, and this is what he read, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he said, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, verse 18, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has set me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. Now, 
those, everything that he spoke to there is from Isaiah. And everything that he spoke there is to meet something of someone that's in need. In other words, there, it's, only, it's only to do stuff to meet a need. You understand? Now, that doing stuff to meet the need and the meeting of human need is the function of the meat offering. Now, one of the reasons they got so bent out of shape at him was that he didn't finish the rest of the reading. Let's go see what he, why they... He said, well, let's look. He closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down, and the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue fastened on him. Now, why did they all look at him? He didn't finish. And he didn't finish something that was near and dear to their hearts. What was near and dear to their hearts was the same thing that the, the reason that Judas betrayed him. It's because they wanted the kingdom of God to be set up on earth. And they wanted, and therefore they wanted vengeance against the Romans in that particular case. I'm sure everybody had some little deal they wanted. But let's go see what he said. Isaiah 61. Now we've got it somewhere what the exact readings for that day are, but I can't remember. But it's it's at least seven verses, we know that. So that means that he should have by he should have at least read through verse seven. But he sat down, he only read through verse He didn't even finish the sentence. Huh? He didn't even finish the sentence. Yeah. He only read one and a half verses and sat down. That's why they were. In fact, excuse me, I made a mistake. When you read from the half, when you read from the prophets, you have to read twenty-one verses. When you read from the law, you have to read seven. So he was supposed to read twenty-one verses minimum, and instead he read a verse and a half and sat down. That's why they all looked at. Him. Understand? Now, here's where he stopped. It says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He said to preach the acceptable year of the Lord in the Greek. And, and he, did, he left off on the day of vengeance of our God. Now why did he do that? Let's see. What he, let's see. Let's read some more. The, the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And he's talking to people that have read the three-year cycle all their lives. They've memorized this. This is good stuff. They shall build up the old wastes. They shall raise up their former desolations. They shall repair the waste cities. The desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the aliens shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast yourselves. Again, I mean, this, is, this has got to be one of the favorite readings of the whole damn year. And they memorized it. So he sits down in the middle of it. I'm not even in the middle. More. He said, For shame you shall have double, 
and for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion, therefore in the land they shall be in their land they shall possess the double everlasting joy shall be unto them. For I, the Lord, love judgment, I hate robbery for burnt offering, and I will direct their work in truth, I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their seed shall be known among the Gentiles, and their offspring among the people. And that shall see, shall account, shall acknowledge, all that see them shall acknowledge them, that they are the seed which the Lord hath blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, my soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with a garment of salvation, he hath covered me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. For as the earth bringeth forth her bud, and as the garden causeth the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. And, he's, and again, he's, technically, you're supposed to read a total of 21 verses. Now, but he just read... He just read the parts that, that, well, let's go back. we got to find John again. I mean, Luke. Okay. It had, the subject of his discourse here is helping the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, the blind, and them that are bruised. And he's saying to those with ears to hear that, that to meet that need is the meat of the meat offering, but more importantly, to meet that, that to meet that need defines who Israel is. Defines who the rest of the promise goes to. What do you mean to meet that need? The ones, the ones that the are in that state the are the true Israel. The ones that are poor, the ones that are brokenhearted, the ones that are mm -hmm. captive, the ones that are blind, the ones that are bruised. The ones. These are the blessed ones. They are the true Israel. Everything else was a metaphor. And so the rest of all of those good things that were read were to us. You understand? Now, again, look at what happened. And he closed the book, and he just read, again, he only read to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, and in verse 19, in verse 20, he said, he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Now again, you got to hear this. They were used. They knew. They were all ready for what was about to say. They, this is one of the most important. And he sits, he sits down. Not only he sits down, he sees they're all looking at him. And he says, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Well, they, I mean, we're talking. We're talking pissed. And all bear him witness, and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? Now watch what's going to happen. And he said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, 
when great famine was throughout all the land, but none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Zarephath, a city in Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. In other words, to a non-Israel after the flesh, to a Gentile. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian, a Gentile. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. And they rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him to the brow, the, the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. His first sermon. <laughs> they were going to throw him off the friggin' hill. Wouldn't play anywhere, and not even in Peoria. Wouldn't even play in Dallas. Because it is the antithesis of the Serinthian heresy, the heresy of setting up the kingdom of God on earth. Now, he defined the meat offering. That's the he learned he again the flour was ground from the time of his self-consciousness till his baptism, and his baptism oil was poured on it. Whether or not it was it was mixed at his temptation in the wilderness, and now it's the first thing that happens when he's tried to be fed is it's rejected. Not only is it rejected, they want to kill him. What does this tell us about the meat offering? Not many will want it. It doesn't do well in church. Meat offering doesn't do too well in church or synagogues. Now, let's think about this. Here is a man who was, by witness, was the Son of God. He proceeded from God. He, he came from a virgin birth. It had to be that way because the bloodline... It had to be the blood of God that flowed in his veins, not the blood of man. And the blood type is always determined by the Father. Blood type is determined by the Father. And for many other reasons, it had to be a virgin birth. All power in heaven and earth has been delivered over to him. He empties himself so that he can receive from the Holy Spirit. Now that's the real meaning. In other words, the bread, the ground flour in itself was powerful. But had, had he become the meat offering without the oil, had he become the meters of need, the meter of need without the oil, which he could have done. It, would have, it couldn't have been manifested in us. So he had to take on him the form of the weakest one of us. In that weakness, depend only and exclusively on the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit. That's the meaning of the meat offering. In the meat offering, it isn't for empowerment to do great deeds as the church thinks of it, is for the empowerment to be the meat offering. 
That's the real purpose of the Holy Spirit. If you hear this, that the burnt offering and the meat offering are always companion, you remember, in the burnt offering, the, the Holy Spirit's type was water because it was an act of cleansing. Now we are cleansed by the word which he has spoken. In the meat offering, the Holy Spirit is, the, is typified in oil because we cannot possibly exist. The meat offering, the burnt offering that satisfies all of God's demands on man, and the meat offering which satisfies all of man's demands on another man. And in that one offering, in one offering, he met both of those, but he, he met it in the emptiness, in the transparency of the Holy Spirit, of the needing of the Holy Spirit. Now, I can't tell you how important that is. Much of what, almost everything we know about the Holy Spirit is wrong. Because everything we know and have heard about the Holy Spirit has been heard with the ears of one who's trying to acquire. We have to hear the Holy Spirit with the ears of one who is emptying. And then we shall know the power of the Spirit like no one else does. We won't have to perform parlor tricks. Is that uh, when Paul was uh, on that island that God wanted to buy, I mean, that's because he heard of the great miracles that were done. Instead, it was you know, everything that had gone before was an act of, of emptying himself, but he wanted to. Amen. All the Gospels and, and, and the letters of Paul are full of references to the meat offering, if you only can see them. I mean, Luke is the one that has the most. Luke is, Luke is always the, the great Holy Spirit writer. He's the one that's always putting the oil on the offering, on the, on the flower. But there, begin to see Jesus Christ as the meat offering. What will happen in you? As you see him, you shall be like him. What will begin to take place in you is you will see, you know, I mean, every one of you are filled with angst over whether or not you're meeting somebody's need or somebody else has met your need. As you see that it's already been done, it just leaves. And as he is in the world, so are we. Amen? Yeah. Now, No sooner, no sooner had Jesus commenced his ministry. The first thing, they were going to thrust him off, they thrust him out the city and they were going to throw him over the edge of the cliff. As we begin to be the meat offering, the same will happen. You understand that? It's the, because the meat offering, by definition, will destroy all righteousness of men. He was always the meat offering wherever he went. But what, you, what you'll see is that the bruised corn and the oil are always together. The bruised corn, the bruised flour, the fine flour never has to worry about whether or not the oil is there. It is always there. 
You never have to worry about whether you're operating in the anointing or not. You don't even think about it. You're only conscious of it when it isn't there. It's not, oh, I'm so conscious, you know, I just felt the anointing of God. Well, most times, that's child's play. You understand? For us, it must be that we're only conscious of the anointing when we when it isn't there. It's the same that a fish isn't conscious of the water, except when it isn't there. You're not conscious of the oxygen in the air, except when it isn't there. God and the Holy Spirit is all and in all. If we are, if we are, oh, I felt the anointing on this day. Or I mean, all of us have had that kind of experience, but don't glory in it. It's, it's that just proves your stupidity. Please say yes. Well, you don't like it, do you? I see why. Yeah, I mean, it's real obvious that he was talking to everybody who thought they were the chosen ones of God. And that's, that's who we'll be talking to. People who say, oh, we're the chosen of God. See, when we are broken and bruised, we think we're powerless. And, and we try anything and everything to work it up. When Christ was broken and bruised, it was the evidence that he was blessed with the Holy Spirit. You see the difference? It's all in how you view the situation. That's why we glory in tribulation. That's why we think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which has come upon us to try us, as though some strange thing had happened to us. The evidence that we believe a false gospel is when we think suffering is strange. And we think it's strange when we do everything in our power to get out of it. That's the evidence. Then say, what matter what we say with our mouth. We're not bruised, we're not broken, but for the most part, we're powerless. Why? Because we've just now got to a point where God can afford to pour the oil on the meat off. It's like everything we've done up till now has been practice. It's been been, how can I say it, it's been grinding of the wheat, the internally thing, you understand, I mean it's like we've been, we've been becoming a body and we've been ground up and we've been, but effectively there's been no power, all we do is complain, we don't, we don't understand the grace of the Holy Spirit, power is all, in, in God power is always manifested with grace, grace is 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 grace? It's like it's it's poise under pressure. That's what grace is, and that can only be manifested in the Holy Spirit. It's you know someone once said the charm was grace under pressure, but grace is poise under tribulation. And that's what the meat offering is. Meat offering doesn't care a great deal about what anybody thinks of it. 
imagine. Can you imagine that the, 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 your identity is that kernel of wheat? <laughs> My God, this is a terrible life. Are your your identity is that hunk of frankincense that's going to be thrown in the fire? Which is the next thing that's added to the meat offering, by the way, is the frankincense. Was it, it says in here about green ears of corn, is that? First the corn, then the ear. It talks about it, it says the first fruits, uh, offer a meat offering of thy first fruits unto the Lord. Thou shalt offer for the meat offering of thy first fruits green ears of corn. Green meaning just new. It has to be from the new field. Freshly cut or something like that. It doesn't mean green like we think of it. It means not oh, from last year's harvest. Now, let me try to explain my struggle for the years. What my experience was when I first became a believer was that what little effort I did see of doing good was done in the energy of the flesh rather than the power of the spirit. Now, how do you know? Well, because it always ran out. You know what I mean? It just didn't last. There was all kinds of good ideas and good plans, but pretty soon just it just petered out into nothingness. I mean, you... and so this is what ruins us. What's ruined all kinds of good ideas in the ministry is that you come to a point of dryness and you begin to try to work up energy rather than waiting on God. And so I took this huge gamble a long time ago. Because, again, I had great plans. I mean, I was going to, I had really good plans to do for God stuff when I was a new believer. I mean, I. You you weren't it. I mean, this it had. This isn't it here. And I'm sure you're. You, I'm sure that vice versa. Also, I'm sure that 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 I'm not. I wasn't in your plans either. Or I mean, you have. You know, you get this new blush of a new believer, and you got great things you're going to do. But the thing that happened was, I kept. I, I saw the Berean thing just petered to nothing. I saw, you know. House of Faith, Peter to nothing. I saw Boys Valley Ranch, Peter to nothing. I saw Ministry of Ideas. All these things that I was intimately associated with just it became as though they never existed. What? You begin to wonder about yourself? Yeah. No, I didn't. Uh, but I I knew that and then I met Gary, and I remember this. this and he the, just petered out. No, no, I met Gary. I remember the. I remember this one talk that Gary and I had about, about pumping it up. <laughs> I mean, he was the first Arnold or whatever that guy was. What's, no, no, no. The guys in that thing in Saturday Night Live. Hans and Franz. I 
point of it is that when we try to pump it up, when we try to gain the energy, it's not, it's just the flesh, and it'll, it'll just, it'll just peter out. So I, 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 I suspected, I knew that that my efforts at fundraising or organization or purpose or planning, it couldn't work. No, that doesn't mean I haven't tried periodically over the course of time, but I always at the core knew that it wouldn't work. I knew that we had to wait. Well, in the waiting, something dynamic has happened some in, with incredible energy. And, and, and in, I mean, the body has happened. That was that was the turning point in, in that spectrum that I saw when you started saying, there's no ministry without a body, without a body, because all kinds of stuff was trying to take place. But it was an organization, yeah. Yeah. not an organization. Yeah, yeah. But you said that a thousand times. Well... When we feel weakness, the, the natural tendency is to go, is to try to fill that void with some earthly advantage or natural talent or natural intellect or natural contacts. And once you, man, once you, once you start that, once you start on that road, you're, you're doomed because it's been mixed with the flesh. I, but, but, you know, I mean, there's always the temptation to do that. There's always the temptation to... Uh, it's like you, we, want to pull, we, we, we want to put some sugar in the meat offering. It's really what it is. We want to put, our, we want to put some red zinger in the meat yeah, offering. Yeah, red zinger in the meat offering. Or amphetamine. We want to add a couple of amphetamines to the meat offering. But... I can't tell you how important it is that you do not seek to gain power when you feel weakness. If you seek to gain power by some advantage when you feel weakness, then you're grieving the Holy Spirit of God, and that's what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit. Rest in the weakness. Rest in the apparent failure. Rest in, in the fact that nothing is going right. Rest in the fact that maybe you don't even know how to pray anymore. It's in the weakness. It's in that terrible, alone weakness that the power of God is manifested. I began to, I thought about some, something like this recently, and I began to think about that as, as God's way of sanctifying us. Resistance. A potential, and then the 
somehow or another there's a catalyst. There's got to be a violence or there's got to be a, a reaction of some kind from outside of the thing that, that, that actually destroys whatever the thing is and it creates something else. That's yeah. where the power is released. Yeah. It's from an outside force. It's not in the thing itself. It's something added to it. The truth is, is that the greatest zeal, the greatest power, the greatest talents, the greatest money, the greatest revelation, the greatest plan are all useless without the Holy Spirit. Look at Christ's last interview with the disciples. Go to Luke 24. Let me just read it. It said, He opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Then he showed them what was written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning him. He opened their understanding and he showed them him. Then what happened? Then he said, Tarry in Jerusalem until you be imbued with power from on high. So even the greatest revelation was not a value without the oil of the Holy Spirit. Now, they had knowledge. They had the commission. He'd already given them that before. They had his blessing. They had his revelation. But they lacked power. As I said last week, the oil is always in the meat offering, not in the burnt offering. Because the oil represents the grace and the power to deal with a thousand and myriad of issues that will come when you deal with people. With spouses or ex-spouses or kids or disciples. Without the grace and the power of the Spirit, you can't endure this high holy days in the next few weeks God will choose to pour out his oil on the fine flour It's like, in, in, in that regard, it's, it's hard for us to believe that the Son of God needed the humility of needing the Spirit. I mean, think of that. I mean, I'm, I'm still blown away by that. And that in our best, we still need to, we need to 
peculiar you asking about Dowling Thomas were asking to see his nail scarred hands and his side was you know, asking to see his suffering, you know, asking to show him the streets of gold Yeah. That's good. Well, let's learn from his transparency. That's the point. Yes. Take a big guy.